Welcome to Now Let's Talk, the podcast with Vanessa Corwin and Kathleen Kahn. As the world opens up, we'll be talking to people about their experiences during COVID, as well as the joys and challenges of life beyond the pandemic. Hello, I'm Vanessa Corwin. And I'm Kathleen Kong. As the war rages on in Ukraine and Russia continues trying to isolate and destroy the country, one organization, Engine, that's E-N-G-I-N, is working to keep Ukrainians connected to the rest of the world by teaching English. With us today are Rose Tatum, volunteer manager, and Mariana Husler, volunteer teacher. Ladies, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yes. So Rose, let's start with you. Tell us uh, about Engine and how it got started. Sure. So Engine is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that was actually started in March 2020 by Katerina Manoff. She's a Ukrainian-American, and she actually happened to be tutoring a Ukrainian student online. And this particular Ukrainian student was top of her class and one of the top students in Ukraine at that time. And although she had studied English in school, both vocabulary and grammar, she had never had the opportunity to practice speaking English. And what Katerina realized is that this was a problem that a lot of students in Ukraine faced. When she started digging in and doing some research, she realized that Ukraine ranked 30th out of 35 European countries in English language proficiency. This is important because having the ability to speak English fluently opens up a lot of academic and professional opportunities And without that, uh, sometimes it can be very hard for a a younger generation, especially to succeed and really um, uh, build uh, their country. Uh, So she developed this organization thinking that she would maybe recruit a couple hundred students and try to match those with some of her friends and, you know, some volunteers and it just grew. It grew very quickly. There was a high demand for it. She started uh, building the organization, um, creating a structure, and um, creating partnerships with schools in both Ukraine and the U.S. And so by January of this year, Engine had grown over almost two years to serve or to include over 12,000 participants. Mm. That's both students in Ukraine and volunteers from over 80 countries. Well, then the war hit uh, end of February and Engine had to take a pause and try to really decide what to do next. And that's where what led us to where we are today. But um, it's grown significantly and really became a um, important organization that pairs English fluent speakers volunteers with Ukrainian, Ukrainians up to 35 years old now. Can you uh, give us an idea how you, how the program works? How do you connect the students with the volunteers? Do you reach out to the schools now that Ukraine is in this mess? I'm sure that's not easy to do. So um, how it worked prior to the war 
was we actually have a person uh, in Ukraine that works on our team. His name is Mikola. He oversees partnerships in Ukraine. So he's actually a teacher in Ukraine and has developed all of these partnerships with um, high schools and universities throughout Ukraine. So that's initially where our students were coming from, how they were learning about our program. And then on our side, on the volunteer recruitment side, we were, we've been using several different methods to recruit volunteers, but specifically up until um, the beginning of this year, we were developing partnerships on our end with high schools and universities and colleges as well. And then we were pairing students based on age, interest, whether, you know, they're, they wanted to be matched with a, a another girl their age or something like that so their availability we take that into account as well because there is the time difference we want to make sure they'll be able to meet at the same time so the way it had been working pre-war was that Mikola um, is recruiting in Ukraine um, we're recruiting here in the U.S. and then we're matching these volunteers and students online all via email and using uh, video chat systems like Zoom or Google Meet or um, even some social medias as well. Um, so now post-war, we have expanded our program now to include Ukrainians up to 35 years old. Um, school has been disrupted. Many um, Ukrainian students, their, their schools have been closed or they reverted to online learning or they've had to leave their, their, they've had to evacuate. They're now in other parts of Ukraine or in other countries. So. Engine has really taken on the role to be um, kind of a, a they're, we're filling that gap in education and the way that students and young professionals are now hearing about us uh, is through media, through uh, news media. We've gotten a lot of publicity um, and media in Ukraine, and that's really um, driven up the numbers uh, for our program. We, to give you an idea, since April 1st, we've had over 8,000 Ukrainian students apply to our program. That's amazing. That is great. That's an increase in uh, students for you? Yeah, generally, um, we'll have anywhere from 200 to maybe six, 700 um, students sign up per month. Uh, since April 1st, it's been over 2000, 3000 every month. So that's amazing. So could you tell us what goes on in a typical session and, you know, how many students per instructor or does it vary, that sort of thing? Sure, sure. Um, so to get to the session part, um, the, the sessions are an hour long each. So after a volunteer attends their training and goes through the whole application process. We try to set volunteers up, and Marianne, you can speak to this when it's your turn. They, we try to speak, um, set volunteers up for successful sessions in our volunteer training. So we try to cover all the basics on um, corrective feedback, um, how to um, develop session plans, how to use our session plans, what to talk about during your sessions, get to know your student, cultural differences, and even um, how to deal with trauma when students have um, experienced trauma due to the war. So then, you know, a typical session um, will last about an hour. And it's one time a week. 
you can your sessions can always be longer if you and the student agree on that but we uh, try to have volunteers and students commit to an hour per week let me ask mariana mm -hmm. since you're the one of the instructors first of all i'm curious to know what made you participate in this program what was your background that maybe egged you on to want to do this about seven years ago vanessa knows this i had a major heart attack while i was running around the bridal path and that's actually how i met vanessa we're both leaders in the women's heart group and i think at that point you start you know when you have a life and death experience you start to think about life and, and, you know, what, what do you stand for? And so I was always looking for um, various volunteer opportunities. And um, I subscribed to something, an email that says, you know, things that you can do. And I that's where I found it. And it said, you know, I, to be honest with you, I didn't even know that much about Ukraine until the war broke out. But then I saw all those people and, you know, my heart went out to them with their children and their pets. And I just couldn't imagine how horrible that must be. And, and I, I was a teacher for 20 years and uh, I have a degree in English and I'm pretty good talking and writing and stuff. So I wanted to use that in a constructive way. So when I saw this, I thought, gee, that, you know, that would be perfect. And, and it is, it, it's really working for me. What are your sessions like? Uh, well, right now I have a wonderful girl. She's in her late twenties and she can only do like 40 minutes once a week, but we're going to increase it to twice a week. And we, we, you know, I follow the sessions, um, but we, you know, we, we go off track a lot. And, you know, first of all, I asked her how she, she is, she is still in Ukraine. She, her boyfriend mm -hmm. is in the army. Um, so I always ask her how she's doing. And, you know, she said that most of her friends have already left and, you know, but she's going to stay. So, you know, we talk about what's going on in Ukraine. We talk about a little bit what's going on in the United States. She's just the talking, I think, has helped her tremendously. She's much more, you know, it's interesting because she was in the tourism business. And she said, nobody's going to Ukraine now and nobody's leaving Ukraine. So she's trying to figure out where she goes from here. And um, but one of the reasons that she wants to learn to speak English, she's been, I asked her what her favorite subject in school was. And I had to laugh when she said geography, because I don't know anybody. <laughs> I mean, I was not a geography student, but she loves geography. <laughs> and you were? <laughs> You like I, I love geography. Yeah, I see that map behind you. So yeah, I guess so. I mean, she's very interested in countries and she has a lot of questions about the United States. One thing she said that I really kind of made me kind of sad, but she said that I said, if you had to go, where would you go? Because right now she's pretty safe, but she says she hears the bombs 50 miles away. She knows they might be inching closer. And she said that she was an exchange student in Norway and she has friends there and they would take her in. But she said, you know, how can I do that? How can I go and live with somebody and eat their food and use their electricity and take their space? She said, that's just not right. And I wouldn't feel good doing that. So I'm staying where I am for now. And I thought, well, you know, she's really such a really a nice person. 
I want to ask you uh, about the, the level of uh, how much the students can speak English. I mean, I'm sure there are different instructors having people that are barely speak the language, but how does that work? Yeah, that's a great question. So I really wanted to touch on um, kind of what Marianne was saying real quick first is that these sessions are really geared, we just really want them to talk. So we provide these session plans just to kind of help keep that conversation rolling. But it really doesn't matter what you're talking about as long as you're talking. And um, so it's good to hear that your student is really, um, it sounds like you guys are developing a really good rapport and a friendship. And that's really um, something that I hear frequently with our volunteers. So with that being said, um, to the, the different levels of English, our students, when they apply to our program, are given a, um, a test uh, to determine what level speaker they are. So they have to reach a certain beginner level of speaking ability with English in order to participate in the program and can be all the way up to advanced speakers. Um, and of course, volunteers have the opportunity to tell us in their interview because that's the first step of our process after the application. We have like a 15 minute get to know you um, interview. You tell us if you'd be comfortable working with someone who's a beginner student or you prefer someone who's intermediate or advanced and we match based on that um, as well as like your interests and your age and those types of things. But that's something that we also, um, from time to time, we try to um, monitor that, um, the success in those sessions and the improvement rate. So it's not something because we're, a nonprofit and our budget is very low. We can't um, test all of our students to see how they're all progressing in their sessions, but it's something we are able to do from time to time to kind of monitor if these sessions are successful. Is there a limit to how many sessions uh, a student can take? No, absolutely not. They can be in the program for as long as they want to or until they age out. <laughs> Okay. And what, right. what would that age be? The Our age limit right now is 35. Like I said, oh. since the war started, we have changed it from 25 to 35. Um, so we um, can now include a lot more people. We hope at some point that we can expand it to include all. Um, however, at this time, this is what we have the capacity to, to do. Can I just ask you a quick question? I'm amazed that you get so many volunteers. I mean, because, I mean, you know, it's hard to get people to volunteer. Are you a shortage of volunteers or how do you get these volunteers? Those are all really great questions. So I've worked <laughs> in the nonprofit sector for probably about 13 years now, and I'm actually quite new to Engine. I've been with Engine for a few months. Oh, um, okay. So previous to this, I've always worked in the... the volunteerism is something that's close to my heart. So I know the challenges of, of recruiting volunteers and it is really difficult to get volunteers to recruit and get them to commit. Engine has, I think one, the time commitment is low, a one hour per week. Mm, that's on, true. Yeah, it's virtual. You can do it from anywhere. And it really appeals to people who really enjoy getting to know other people, especially people in different cultures. 
um, from different countries. I think that that brings a lot of people to us. And honestly, since the war began, um, there has been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of interest in, in the Ukraine, Ukraine. Yeah. And that's yeah. helped us out a lot. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know too much about Ukraine before this. I mean, I know where Ukraine was, but, you know, it's the war that really made me think about volunteering for Ukraine because I, I might have volunteered before, but it was just seeing, as I said, it was the heartbreaking. Um, I, I actually asked my student, are people still leaving Ukraine? And she said, not, not as much. I, I guess the people that wanted to go gotten out already. So, now, um, the uh, ratio of instructors to students, is it strictly one-on-one -on -one, or are there kind of situations where there's like one instructor and maybe they might have more than one student? Yeah, absolutely. So we try to encourage um, volunteers to um, only do one-on-one -on -one sessions, but they can take on several students. So, um, and they're welcome to hold group sessions from time to time as well. But yeah, so one volunteer instructor can have anywhere up to five students. It just depends on how much time they want to commit to the program. And then let me uh, just go back to the training for a second. What is, what's the training like? And, uh, you know, Marianne, how was that for you? Well, it was on, online and it was great. I really enjoyed it. it. You know, it was, I think it was like an hour and a half, maybe it wasn't long at all. And, um, and you, you're given a volunteer book, which I refer to all the time and it has everything in it. It has the sessions in it and stuff. And then they give you a, a test. But yeah, you know, you feel well-trained and you feel very well supported. And I think that's, that's important. You guys have been very supportive. So I thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we, um, with our volunteer training, we really try to um, include everything that um, we think any challenges volunteers will face, but also we want to help them prepare and get kind of know what they're getting themselves into um, before starting their first session. And um, like I said, that includes lots of things, uh, not only um, developing that rapport with your student, what topics to discuss and how to correct their English, but also, you know, cultural um, aspects as well. Well, when I first started, everyone said to me, my friends and family, you can't possibly do this. You don't know one word of Ukraine. How can you speak, you know, uh, to a Ukraine? And I thought to myself, is this going to be the kind of thing where sh they don't know how to say one word? Because that would be a little bit problematic. I'm not like a, I was English major, but I was like an English major, like, you know, Shakespeare kind of English, not, not like phonics and stuff like that. So I thought, you know, gee, but it's not like that at all. Now, my student was a beginner, but she, she, she really... I mean, she doesn't know like a lot of the, the language in terms of what meanings and stuff, but she can carry on a conversation just fine. And now she's learning, you know, as we go along to be more comfortable speaking and, and so on. But yeah, I mean, um, it was much easier than I thought it was going to be. As an instructor, do you have to uh, 
kind of give the progress of your student? That would be a good question. I mean, I think she's coming along splendidly and I tell her that. And in the training, they tell you how to encourage them and, you know, how to correct them when they mispronounce things and stuff. But nobody's really asked me about her progress. Now, is that something they will do? So right now we do have a support team, but it's three women, three young women who are taking in, who are answering all uh, questions for volunteers and students and really anything that comes into our info at engine um, email box, they, uh, they're answering all those. So we are actually in the process of developing a support team just for volunteers. And then um, we will start reaching out to volunteers to, um, on a regular basis to monitor how their sessions are going and ask for feedback um, and see how, if, if their student's improving, ask the volunteers what we can do to improve our, our program. So that is something that we're working on um, that's very important to us. Uh, we just haven't had the, uh, the manpower really to do it until now. Well, I, yeah, I just have to ask, do you ever get students who complain we, I monitor the, the feedback from the students and from the volunteers. And the only time I see negative feedback from the students is when they have a volunteer that doesn't show up for their meeting that okay. blows them off. Yeah. And that does happen from time to time when volunteers will just kind of ghost us and ghost their student and not show up. But um, it doesn't happen all that frequently, but that's really honestly the only negative feedback I've seen. So speaking of challenges, and you can both weigh in on this, what are the biggest challenges you guys are experiencing uh, because of the war? And I, I would imagine technical issues might be part of that. Yeah, technical issues are a big part of that. So um, we, when we started this program, it was mandatory for both students and volunteers to use video. Um, it's easier to build that connection. And also when you're seeing someone speaking, it's easier to um, hear them, to understand them, to learn the language. It, it, but with uh, internet connection being disrupted um, and slowed, we've uh, allowed students now to just have a, to call in without video. So that's a change that we've made. We still prefer, prefer uh, video, but that's not something that can always happen. Another challenge we're having is because students are having to, vac having to evacuate and um, sometimes they'll just disappear for a couple weeks and we don't know where they've gone and we have to find updated contact information for them or we have to wait until they email us and tell us that they've moved and this is where they are now, and they'll let us know whether or not they can continue their sessions, but that is a challenge for us is um, when they have to suddenly evacuate, keeping in touch with them and um, informing their volunteer on what's next. Yeah, I can imagine. Marianne, have you? Uh, oh, yeah, I, you know, we had... do Zoom, and sometimes she can't get on, and, you know, we have to really work at it because of the Wi-Fi and stuff. But um, she's very committed and, you know, very disciplined. 
and every time that she doesn't come exactly when she's supposed to, my heart is like, oh, my God, I hope she's okay. You know, that kind of thing. I hope she's all right. I hope her boyfriend's all right. Um, so far, as I said, she, her her town is okay, but um, she, you know, she lives in fear. It's very sad. That's a, a common a common thing from um, our our students and honestly our our uh, team members that also live in Ukraine. What is your goal for Engine going forward? Oh, that's a that's a great question. <laughs> our goals have, of course, uh, changed a little bit, but overall, we want to be able to expand our program to include more Ukrainians. Our program is growing much quicker than uh, I think that Katerina anticipated just six months ago. We really need to um, beef up our volunteer recruitment. So I believe that Katerina had a goal for Engine to reach 100,000 students in five years. I think that we're going to meet and exceed that. It's just a matter of recruiting enough volunteers to um, match with those students. So that's going to be the biggest challenge. Well, this is nonprofit. So I'm just wondering, because that volunteer handbook, I mean, who, who created that? You know, I mean, it's really quite extensive about, you know, each month they give you questions to ask and stuff. I mean, did somebody just create that? Or probably yeah. a team, right? Yeah, it's a team. And we have some volunteers and some paid staff. And uh, with just a little more background on Katerina, she has her graduate degree from Harvard in okay. education. And okay. so, so yeah, that explains, yeah. yeah. Right. So uh, she worked with a team to develop the handbook and really every little part of Engine, the way that we're structured and how we work, she worked with um, team members mostly in Ukraine on, on putting it together. Well, you can tell that it was somebody that knew education because they were able to put this together in a way that somebody that had teaching experience. If uh, people are interested in volunteering, where can they contact Engine? So they can go to our website, which is www.engineprogram.org backslash volunteer, that'll take you to the volunteer tab of our website. And why don't you spell, could you spell that for the people? Sure, sure, yes, E-N-G-I-N program. So no E at the end there, E-N-G-I-N program.org backslash volunteer. And when you're, when you get to our website, to that page, you just scroll to the bottom, there is a link to our volunteer application there. That's the first step to getting, start, getting started with Engine as completing that volunteer application. And if you have any questions about our volunteer program, um, you wanna learn more, we have all the details on our, on our website. That's great. Well, we encourage all interested parties out there to check out the website. And if that looks like it's something for you, absolutely, absolutely do it. And you can also donate to the organization on your website. Is that correct? That's correct. And that's always needed as a nonprofit organization, especially one that's growing so quickly. Donations are definitely always needed. 
So yes, many opportunities to help out. Well, ladies, this has been an incredible session. Thank you so much for uh, your time and for telling people about this wonderful organization. I really appreciate you you being willing to highlight our organization. Um, it, it, it's been a wonderful chat with you. And, and Marianne, thank you for volunteering with us. I hope that I get to chat with you again. If I wanted to get more involved, I could do that through the website or? Yes, yes. You can email our info at engineprogram.org or um, you can email me and I'll put my email address in the chat there and you can, okay. we, can we can talk about um, getting more involved. There's definitely opportunities to do so. Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear from you, so please send your comments and questions to info at nowletstalkthepodcast.com and check out our website at nowletstalkthepodcast.com. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time.